Today's scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off, for the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Christine. Thanks, Pastor Lyle and Byer family for being here. We're uh, taking our first step today on a seven-step biblical walk toward the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Jesus I long to know, the Jesus I long to know. And we start where Jesus started. Fresh off his baptism and just hours into his official ministry. His introduction to the ministry was in no way gradual. (laughs) He didn't kind of ease into the role of Savior. He immediately encounters a terrific barrage of temptation like probably none of us have ever experienced. There is combat in the desert. I, the other day I saw a little spitfire domestic altercation in the Staples parking lot. I heard it start through my car windows. It was that loud. And I wondered if this was going to turn into a full-blown combat zone right in the middle of the parking lot. It got very heated. Husband and wife, I assume. They were venting their frustrations with one another, and the air was blue. Finally, they walked away from one another wisely and went different directions, and the combat was avoided. But my sense was this is still not over. This is not over. A great spiritual combat took place in the desert. Here is Jesus, a young man, 30 years of age, he has not yet called his disciples. He has been baptized. He knows the Father's call upon his life. He has been authenticated that this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Father has sent him, and he is on mission. And no sooner are those words out of the mouth of the Father, and Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. 
Now, it's worthy to note that Jesus is led to some unidentified desert location, not by the devil, but by the Spirit. Immediately after his baptism, the Spirit whisks him into the desert, into the wilderness, and Jesus must face the tempter, for temptation is very much a part of human existence. Have you ever noticed that many mountaintop experiences are followed by valley experiences? Jesus had just had the experience of God affirm who he actually was. He was clear about his mission as the Messiah, but now he has to deal with the question of strategy. How would he go about redeeming and reconciling the fallen world? How would that happen? That's what Jesus was doing during this extensive fast. He was hammering out with the Father his identity and the way in which he could accomplish the great kingdom purposes for which God had sent him into the world. And Jesus is going without food for the sake of leaning into something that is more important. He went without food because he was seeing something greater than bread or food. He was finding his mission in the eyes of God and deciding on his course of action. He was hammering out his mission with the Father in prayer and in fasting. I say that this morning with some emphasis, something to be learned here. If you've got something huge and heavy in front of you and decisions to make, consider leaning into this through prayer and fasting. Satan is also very aware of these moments to influence the strategy of Jesus. He comes to alter his strategy, not with anything evil or clearly ridiculous. He comes to see if he can sway Jesus from his God mission, divert him, distract him, move him a few degrees off center, get him out here a little further. The key is to derail the heavenly plan. The key is not being too obvious, subtle. It's possible, you know, to not take the enemy too seriously, to think that he's this little fantasy guy that we make up, that, uh, that he's the little guy sitting on our left shoulder with a funny grin, maybe a little tit pitchfork. A woman brought home a very expensive dress that she purchased from the mall. The husband said, why did you buy that dress, dear? You know we can't afford it. She said, well, honey, the, the devil made me do it. I was trying it on in the store, and he said to me, I have never seen you look more gorgeous than you do in that dress. Well, the husband said, why didn't you say, get thee behind me, Satan? Well, she said, I did. And he said, it looks great from behind, too. It's a cute little story, except it makes the devil look ridiculous. And he's not. The Bible reminds us that he is our ultimate adversary, just as he is the ultimate adversary of God. There's a lot of counsel in the scripture about being aware of the highly skilled tactics of the enemy. He fights in combat mode very well, so well that we don't see his camouflage. Oh, and watch this. Alone and deeply contemplative of his next steps, Jesus was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. That's a long time. A human body can survive that length of time, but we're on the outer limits at 40 days and 40 nights. 
Jesus wasn't just hungry, he was alone. That is huge. Many temptations come to us when we are alone. He had no one to lean on. No one was there to encourage him. We become more vulnerable when somehow we get ourselves isolated or we lose the support from the people who will put their arms around us and walk with us. Hard to be alone. The wilderness was barren and remote. No cell phone service in that wilderness. We are always most vulnerable when we're alone. When he lay weakened from lack of nourishment and languishing of the harsh desert, the tempter made his move. Pretty smooth, pretty smooth. The enemy knows exactly when you and I are most vulnerable. He begins to look patiently for that time when he can sneak in. He waited for the moment Jesus was most vulnerable, and then like a lion, he pounced. His combative attack comes in three different ways. We don't need to over-irrigate this. I'm simply going to refresh the three attacks in your thinking. Maybe it's helpful to be reminded of the fact that these temptations are not unique to our Lord, but they're also right uh, in the heart of where you and I live every day in the combat zone. So three combative attacks. Number one, the temptation to gratify ourselves. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil whispers in the ear of Jesus, if you are the Son of God, probably better translated here, since you are the Son of God, why don't you just turn these stones into homemade bread? It's a, it's a very personal temptation. He's hungry and he's weak. He's very vulnerable. And he could have picked up some of those stones and he, he could have, he had the power to turn them into bread. Remember, he's the creator of the world, so what's a few stones to turn them into bread? That's nothing. And then it was not only personal, but there was some personal gain, perhaps in winning over the people of the world. That would be most gratifying, right? What if Jesus proved to be the bread maker of the world? He could make so many loaves of bread that all the hungry people in the world could be satisfied. He could have become the bread king of the world. What an approach. What a dramatic way to win the hearts of people to his cause. Come and see the great miracle bread maker, Jesus Christ. That's why this was such a personal temptation. You could become Messiah with ever without ever having to go to the cross. What? You see how devious this thought is? Jesus, think about yourself. Gratify yourself. Think about how you could change the world forever and never have to follow through on going to the cross. Oh, 
What a response by Jesus. He catches on to this concealed attack immediately, and he says, in effect, it's not all about the bread. We don't just live by bread, but we also live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And I want you to see that the phrase, by every word, is translated by every rima. That's the Greek word. That every rima that comes from the mouth of God. What is a rima? A rima is a personalized word to you from God. A personalized word to you from God. An utterance from God designed to strengthen you. And here's Jesus saying, all the time I've been out there in the wilderness, don't think I haven't had food. I've had the food of God. I've had personal words from my Father. And he's been speaking to me. He's been telling me how to live my life. He's been charting the mission with me. I have been feeding on the Rima words of God. And he said to Satan, in effect, it's better to starve than to be fed apart from the will of God. I must live by my Father's word. And you know, friends, that's such a significant truth. Our lives are not all about food and things and recognition, but they are about receiving God's word. Both his logos, his written word, and his rima, his special personal words to us that sustain us and strengthen us. And as you listen for God's voice, you will at times recognize that God personalizes his word for you and you alone. He gives you a word of clarity. He gives you a word of direction. Maybe a word of encouragement. A rima word is usually a very personalized word for you. Peter, when he saw Jesus walking on the water, asked the Lord if he could come. And what did Jesus say? Come. Remember that it was only Peter that got out of the boat, not the rest of the disciples, because it was a personalized word for him. So as you journey through life and your heart is attuned, there are some intersection times in life when our Father will give you a personal word and it's for you. It's intended for guidance and encouragement. And as you receive it, you're assured that God is in this. Jesus said no to the temptation. He had the power, but he said no. That he had come to do the Father's will. It was not about himself. Sometimes we're strengthened, uh, are tempted in the area of our strengths and gifts. We may have power and authority or, or giftedness, But these also can be our areas of vulnerability. An old commentary, uh, commentator, William Barclay writes, we must always remember that again and again we are tempted through our gifts. The person who is gifted with charm will be tempted to use that charm to get away with anything. The person who is gifted with the power of words will be tempted to use his or her words to produce glib excuses to justify his own conduct. And the person with great gifts of mind will be tempted to use those gifts for himself and not for others, to become the master and not the servant of men. It is the grim fact of temptation that it is just where we are strongest that we must forever be on the watch. So the first temptation is the temptation to gratify ourselves. It's personal. It's... it's, it's uh, To have something that we're not meant to have. 
I mean, sometimes the, the enemy tempts us with food. Too much food. The wrong kind of food. Food for ourselves instead of food for the hungry. But he can tempt us to have a, 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 in just about any way, nicer clothes, new car, cooler technology, and nothing wrong with any of these things. But they might lead us on a detour from God's path. Precisely what Jesus wasn't going to be allowed in his life, to be lured into a detour. Secondly, the the second temptation is to sensationalize our journey with Jesus. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the Son of God, jump off, for the Scripture says he will order his angels to protect you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot or a stone, on a stone. Jesus responded, the Scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. So the devil offered Jesus a strategy for popularity. Give the crowd something spectacular. Throw yourself off the highest place in the temple, on on the temple side close to the Kidron Valley, measured about 450 feet into the Kidron Valley. And when you land, without a scratch on your body, people will be dazzled and you'll be famous. I'm reminded, I don't know if you've seen this yet, uh, the documentary movie called Free Solo. It's, uh, it's the uh, remarkable story of Arnold Hoynoid as he becomes the first person to ever free solo Yosemite's 3,000-foot-high El Capitan wall. With no ropes and no safety gear, he completed the greatest feat in rock climbing history about two years ago. And uh, they made a documentary of this, and it's got a nomination for the Oscar. It's an amazing documentary. Jesus, uh, Satan takes Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple, And yes, he quotes the Bible, he knows the Bible, so does Jesus, and he says, jump, God will take care of you. By the way, this is an area where many of us can be susceptible. We want to be in the spotlight, we want to be president, we want to be chairman, we want to be worship leader, we want to be guest musician, we want to be preacher. One writer said, I have a sign in my office that declares there's no limit to the amount of good you can do if you don't care who gets the credit. If we're trusting God, we don't need to throw ourselves off the pinnacle of the temple. If we're trusting God, we don't need to make the front page of the paper. We just ask God, show us the place where he wants us to serve. And if he helps us succeed and he brings you to a level of notoriety, Give God the credit for what he's done in your life. Some years ago, the world watched and cheered while Mother Teresa, a Yugoslavian nun, received her Nobel Peace Prize for her work among the suffering and the dying poor of Calcutta. But you know, friends, there are scores of Mother Teresas in the world today. And they are working in obscure places. They are working without resignation, without recognition, without fanfare. And they could easily say, well, since nobody sees what I'm doing, why should I do it? Satan says, yeah, why do we do this? Just take care of yourself. Move right into the center of the spotlight. Because after all, Jesus, you deserve it. 
Satan says, come on, Jesus. God will take care of you. Just jump. Look at how famous you will be. And he says it to us too. You want to be happy? Go ahead and live the life you want to live. Don't hold back. Why would you want to cut some corners? Pull a few strings. Do what you need to do. Get yourself positioned. It's all about position. Jesus said no. Satan will tempt us to do something we're not meant to do. We're not meant to jump off a building 450 feet high and presume upon God to come in and protect us. We're not meant to abuse our minds and our bodies with drugs and alcohol. There are consequences. We're not meant to feed on pornography because it will put us into bondage. We were not meant to give ourselves away sexually outside the safety of marriage. We weren't meant to let our anger explode like the couple in the parking lot. When we do these things, it, it ends badly eventually. We hurt ourselves and we hurt others. Now, I have to say it's true of the church as well. It's tempting to be sensational. Why not live on the edge and draw a crowd? We could draw a bigger crowd if we were just more sensational. If you do ministry this way, remember, you have to have a follow-up for the next Sunday and one for the next Sunday and one for the next Sunday. That report that came out this week that a man was raised from the dead, discovering that there was a little bit of shenanigans going on behind that. That wasn't true at all. If that's why the crowd comes for the sensational, it will only be a matter of time. Had Jesus fallen for the setup, he would have succumbed to relying on a sensational trick rather than the power of the cross. Are you tempted to do something that you weren't meant to do? That was the temptation of Jesus. It was presumptuous. Satan wanted Jesus to be sensational, which would have been a decoy for the real call of God and the real mission of Jesus for this world. Friends, let's just walk faithfully with God. Let's just hear him well. Let's just obey him well and leave all the rest of that stuff to the Lord. Then thirdly, the temptation to gain power and mastery over your world. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said, I will give it all to you if you'll kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scripture says you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Here he comes again. He is unrelenting. But Jesus is strong in his father's heart. He has been feeding on the word of God. He's been feeding on the rima of God. And now the temptation to assume power is the appeal. You kind of say, well, who was he anyway, Satan, that he could offer the world to Jesus? Wasn't his, was it? Well, Technically, no, it wasn't his, but, uh, but he had control of the world according to the permissive will of God. And if that isn't satisfactory, if nothing else, lying has never been a problem for Satan. <clears throat> Satan says, I'll put all of this in your hand. You can ride number one uh, throughout the land. You can have all the power of every city, a great city of the world. You'll be number one. Wouldn't that be compelling, Jesus? You would be number one. Everyone would bow the knee to you. Seems to me there is a verse in Scripture that says everyone will bow the knee to him. 
Satan will come at us in the same way. He will tempt us to be something that we're not, to be popular, to be famous, to be powerful, to be married, to be successful, to be comfortable. If God does any of the above, that's from him if he blesses. But when Satan tries to pull his shenanigans, there's always trouble. Oh, and just one thing. In exchange, you must fall down and worship me. Temptation often offers something it can rarely give. Temptation will say to you, do this and you'll be happy. Do this and you'll feel good about yourself. But the devil can't give you happiness. He can promise you the world, but he can't give you the world. Only God. Only God can give you purpose. Only God can give you a true sense of well-being. Temptation promises more than it can deliver. You see what he was doing once again? Satan was trying to trick Jesus into taking the easy road to kingship. Yes, you can become a king. I will make you a king, but I don't want you to be a king who gives his life on a cross. Not that way. Because that is what will destroy Satan's kingdom. Jesus says, be gone. Get out of here. I'm only going to follow my father's plan. I've been feeding on his word, and he tells me there are no shortcuts. We are on the way to the cross. Oh, and look at verse 11. It says, then the devil went away, and angels came and took care of Jesus. I just love that verse. Then the angels came, and they ministered to Jesus. Can't you just see it breaking through the clouds? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of angels, so many of them. And they were ministering to Jesus. They were bringing him food. They were sustaining him. The combat would resume later, but for now the great battle was over and Christ was the victory. What do we learn about temptation and combating it? Oh, so many things. But only time to say, be filled with the words of God in your own heart. Ask the Lord for his personalized word for your life. Read the Word. Be fortified in the Word. Jesus always quoted Scripture. We watched a little video clip this week on how important it is to memorize Scripture. I've never realized more than I do in these days how how important it is to be tucking the Word of God in my heart. Learn the key verses. Core to the faith. Core to to our salvation. Core to the reality of Christ's death and resurrection. Tuck those into the memory bank. Jesus said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. Martin Luther was asked how he overcame the devil. He replied, well, when he comes knocking upon the door of my heart and asks who lives there, the Lord Jesus goes to the door and says, Martin Luther used to live here, but he's moved out. Now I live here. That will surely turn him away. Let's stand together. Father, thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who knew his mission so clearly that absolutely nothing would knock him off track. Thank you, Jesus, for standing so strong, so clear when the enemy tried to knock you off your course. Jesus, I pray that you would fill us with your words of strength and power as we abide in you. 
Your word says that when we abide in you, when we're connected with you, we have the power to stand with you and the arrows will not come against us. And I'm reminded this morning of the old hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, a bulwark never failing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. So, Lord, I pray that as we move through this Lenten season, that there will be many reminders for us to stop, to pray, to fast, to engage with your heart, your name, your power. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, God, for your call upon our lives to be your children and to walk faithfully with you.